From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hey everybody, I'm Brandon. I'm joined today by Jason Caldwell. Auburn, a dramatic victory Saturday, as all you know. Incredible victory. 27-21 over number 11, Oregon. The Tigers were down 21-6 at one point. Maybe should have been down 28-3. But Auburn just found a way, thanks to its defense stepping up, after those first few drives and the offense finding its footing through the running game and then through the two-minute drill at the end with that incredible pass from Doe Nix to Seth Williams to win the game with nine seconds remaining. Jason, just your overall thoughts on the game and kind of where Auburn goes from here after such a emotional and dramatic way to win, to win and, and open the season. Yeah, you know, we, we got to talk about it a little bit last night, and I, I wrote a story for us at, at Auburn 24-7 talking about what you gain from a game like that. And I think it's so much more valuable because who knows what everybody might be on a really emotional high if you win 42 to nothing over somebody in week one. But you probably don't know much about this Auburn team or know more about it than we did going into it. I think I think the coaches and players – and us, for for that matter, I think we know a lot more about this Auburn team than we did this time last week. Um, one of the things we know is that I believe um, that the move of Kevin Steele to the sidelines had a dramatic impact on that football game Saturday. Um, the first couple of drives, Oregon moved the football. Auburn made some minor adjustments, um, but they were able to do those things before halftime. And then they, the first drive of the third quarter, they came out, had another drive. Auburn then adjusted again. And other than that, Georgia did nothing the rest of the game um, against this Auburn defense. And, yeah, um, I think adjustments had an impact. I think the guys settled in a little bit. And uh, I, think they, I think they wore Oregon down, too. And I think we know how important Ryan Russell is for a football team. But I think we saw that on Saturday. Um, Oregon had a couple of players cramping up here or there. And uh, – thought Auburn did a great job of just withstanding the early blows and hanging around. And I think we learned that all that senior leadership, all those veterans um, has a, a major impact on this team not panicking. And then we also saw that a, uh, a true freshman playing in this first game, the quarterback, uh, has that same moxie. That guy never flinched. And that's what we thought we would see from Bo Nick. We thought we'd see mistakes, and we did. But we also saw a guy that, hey, he never backed down, never wavered. And uh, I think his teammates learned a lot about him on Saturday night as well. Yeah, I wanted to quickly go over that, you know, situation you're saying. Like, it seemed like every time there was someone down the field, you look up and go, who is it? And it was an Oregon player. Um, and as you said, a lot of cramping, also some injuries. There's a couple Auburn players that went down. But as that game was going on, especially in the second half, it just seemed like Oregon players were having to be taken off the field or 
limping off the field with cramps and everything. And as you said, I think that's a big testament to Ryan Russell and the conditioning program at Auburn. And that that's kind of what helped them win that game. They just wore out Oregon a little bit, um, especially the offensive line against that defensive line. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, obviously the defense stepping up, but I, I think a lot can be said about how they just streamlined things. They just um, didn't make things as complicated. They let them play out there. And as a result, Auburn was able to, goodness, I think after the first three drives, what, Auburn was allowing 7.7 or 7.8 yards per play. And then after that, it was 3.1 yards per play. And then rushing average in the second half was one yard per carry. Auburn's defense just kind of, Knock the cobs web, cobwebs loose one, but two, they're able to go out there and just fly around without really trying to complicate things like they did. Tr- they did uh, there in the first quarter when they allowed an incredible 176 yards against Oregon. Yeah, you know something else to mention too is that in addition to to them being better at the end of the game and at the end of the first half, um, just conditioning wise, that's on top of of being delayed hours and hours on Friday and not getting into town until after 10 o'clock Friday night. Um, that could have been something that could have played a major impact on a team that wasn't as prepared. Um, the fact that Auburn was able to, to withstand those travel issues, do all those things as well, even more of a testament to them and, and, and that strength and conditioning staff. And yeah, you're right too about that defense. Um, I think I looked at it and, and, and wrote it this morning and, and Monday morning quarterback that I think it, the first three drives of the game and the first drive of the of the um, second half at 246 yards at 80 the rest of the game, 30 plays, 80 yards the rest of the game. That's including including the passing attempts, and so um, just an incredible job I thought from the defense. And boy, um, those young guys they played a lot of different guys up front. We saw a couple of guys we didn't think we would see. Uh, I don't think anybody thought that we'd see a lot of Derek Call, and, and he's in the game in the fourth quarter and. I don't think anybody, and maybe not even the Auburn coaches, until maybe last week, thought we'd see Daquan Newkirk, and we did. Um, and you know, those are things that could be really important for this team moving down this road. Yeah, I think that was huge. You know, I mean, Derek Hall was like one of the last people I thought we would see this season, let alone the opener. And as you said, Daquan Newkirk coming out when you know Gus Malzahn was hoping to get him maybe ready to be able to contribute by the fourth game of the season yet he was out there contributing after the Achilles surgery in the in the off season um i think a big thing moving forward is can they get TD Moultrie back up to speed um as at the buck pass rushing position cuz i think he's probably their best pass rusher um and he only played a handful of plays, and they got taken off the field. Gus Malzahn says he's dealing with a little bit of an injury. Looks like it's an, a foot issue, an ankle issue, something that was slowing him down. I think it would be huge if they can get TD back because, obviously, Auburn went up against a very, very good Oregon offensive line, one of the better ones they're going to face this entire season. And they had trouble you know, getting to the passer just with a normal four-man rush and everything like that. But I wonder if it would have been a little bit different with a completely healthy TD Moultrie, and I just wonder, you know, when he'll be able to get back to full speed. Yeah, and you wonder now if if that opens the door for a guy like maybe Colby Wood to uh, to get a few reps. Obviously, not not last week he wasn't wasn't needed, but maybe this week against Tulane, um, maybe get a guy like Colby Wooden uh, a little bit involved at that buck and and see 
um, how he responds, see if he can kind of get give you a little bit of that pass rush to allow TD to get healthy. But you're right, that's the one the one area you look at is Auburn didn't get didn't get a whole lot of pressures until uh, they blitz. Now they when they blitz, uh, they did a great job of that. But you know, I hats off to the Oregon offensive line first. Those guys did a great job. But I think you look at it from moving forward, you, you got to be able to get some pressure with that four man front um, to just alleviate some of those concerns. I will say this, Derek Brown late well, was a force uh, in the middle and changing the aspects of plays. And then also, I mean, goodness gracious, what Auburn did against the rush there in the second half. Um, I know we were talk, we, we'll talk a little bit about the linebackers here in a minute, but, but Derek Brown, I thought, did a tremendous job in the middle of that field there late in the game of really changing things when Oregon was trying to one run some clock out and play a little bit conservative, and two when they did uh, throw the ball, they're being a little bit more conservative that way, throwing these screens and everything. And I think Derek Brown changed the aspect of how that Oregon offense was able to do things. Yeah, I thought both he and Tyrone Truesdale changed moved the line of scrimmage, and if you can move the line of scrimmage, the defensive tackles and. Um, then that opens up the lane for those running backs and those linebackers get downhill. And we saw that a few times during the game. And I think probably the best example is on that fourth down play where those guys were just coming free and running to the football. And if you do that, you know, more often than not, guys are going to make plays. They're going to make them at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. And we saw Auburn doing that much more frequently in the second half um, as that defense started to just kind of find its rhythm, find its edge. And, you know, just think about it too. Like I don't, I don't imagine that. Um, you know, they did some obviously one on ones. Not a ton of scrimmage time needed with Derek Brown and Marlon Davis and those guys. First of all, because they're maybe the most important guys on this team because of the depth on that defensive line. So it, it probably a little bit of getting up to speed for them and kind of getting that feel back. And once they got it, uh, they turned it loose. And how about the play of K.J. Britt and Owen Papo? I mean, K.J. Britt had a huge hit that just uh, absolutely shook me in my core. I remember tweeting about it as soon as I saw it, going, oh, my God, I felt that. And then you looked at at what um, uh, Owen Papo did, starting as a true freshman, the other number 10 true freshman, uh, starting for Auburn. Uh, his, his development, obviously, through the offseason, his attention to detail – We've talked about it before on here, how he's not your typical five-star guy who just relies on his his natural-born talent. He he worked for it and got that starting nod in the opening game, and he made a huge impact um, against Oregon, especially in the second half. Him and K.J. Britt combined were incredible. And then Zacoby McLean coming in late with a really effect that – I think it was that was that fourth down play um, – just incredible job by those linebackers um, when everybody was wondering what's going to happen with them. And we just kept saying, hey, you know, Travis Williams and defense coordinator Kevin Steele feel really good about those guys replacing, you know, the two to three starters from last season. And they showed up in a big way Saturday night. They did. And throw Chandler Wooten in there too, who had maybe maybe the most important stop of the game in the, in the long run on the kickoff return at the end. Uh, maybe if he doesn't make that play, who knows what happens in that game. But uh, all, yeah, all four of those guys, I thought, did a great job. You're right. Oh, and Papo, we were wondering, hey, is he going to get the start? He did, and he showed why. Um, there were a couple of those plays. Um, Jeremiah Denson talked about, you know, looking up and seeing 
you know, closing on some of those crossing routes and, and chasing guys down. And then I, I, I firmly believe Justin Herbert was shot to his bones late there in the fourth quarter when, when he, he rolls to his right and he, by the time he takes a breath, Owen Popo is already knocking down the door. And um, his speed and closing speed um, is just incredible. And, and he looks like one of those guys that you play, see playing on Sundays. And, and this kid just played in his first football game uh, as a true freshman. All that ability. Um, he learned the defense. He stepped up. And, and just like Bo Nix on the offense, he's made believers out of his teammates. And when you do that as a true freshman, and you're talented, they're like, hey, come on, let's roll. And and I think we saw that Saturday where his teammates are like, hey, that's what this guy's done the whole time, and he's going to do it again, and, and he showed up. We'll have more conversation right after these messages. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Jason, one thing Auburn's really got to improve on is punt coverage. And Gus Malzahn said that almost immediately after the game. Do you think there were just breakdowns, or or what? What was the situation there? I don't know. I, I it was kind of baffling to me a little bit because they were so good at that last year, and I thought Aaron Sipos. I mean, once again, punted the ball well. His, his directional punting was good. It wasn't like he was punting the ball in the middle of the field. Um, I thought he did a good job. The coverage improved with his punts a little shorter, and so I, I don't know. Uh, I think, you know, he's got a stronger leg and he was kicking about a little bit further. Maybe it's going to be one of those situations where you almost dial back a little bit and say, hey, give us 43 and a fair catch every time as opposed to 49-50 and giving guys maybe a little seven-yard cushion. And we saw that. Guys take advantage of it. But no matter what, those the punts were high enough that the coverage team should have done a better job. And there were a few missed tackles along the way. Um and I think it's a matter of, of shoring it up and maybe finding a, a few guys that, um, that that might become a little bit more um, of a factor there. I, there's so many guys on this team and so many talented guys that can run. That there may be a spot on this team like you see for an NFL team where you have a couple of guys who become specialists uh, in kick coverage, and, and that's what they work on and do. I think there's a there's a spot for that on this team to maybe help out some of those guys who are playing a lot of reps and a lot of snaps um, to have to go down and cover all those kicks as well. Yeah, you mentioned Javon Holland, four or excuse me, three returns for 131 yards, including that long return of 81 yards. Um, really got to improve there because you do that against any team, you're going to pay for it. Luckily, Auburn's defense was able to step up. Um, and how about Big Cat Bryant returning that fumble? I made the joke yesterday um, while we were waiting for press conferences, at, uh, w- uh, sitting in the press box, I, w- I was trying not to watch that big screen from up there, by the way, because it's so difficult not to just stare at that thing. But when uh, Big Cat picked it up and started running, he was so quick. I, I, I didn't know who it was. I thought, oh, a defensive back's got it. He's gone. 
I was saying that, but it was Big Cat Bryant, and he slowed down a little bit. And apparently, he slowed down because he thought no one was behind him on his left side. He just saw he saw the guy over his right shoulder, and he was home free. But he got caught from behind. Otherwise, he would have had a huge touchdown return, and I, he'd be up for the uh, Peisman Trophy uh, or as an early leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, you're right. He, he showed his athleticism. There's no question. Uh, you know, had it been 60 yards, 70 yards, he scores a touchdown. The fact that it was um, the length of the field, the full length of the field, um, kept him from finishing it off. But you know, he's a guy that kind of kind of found the ball. I, that would have been two games in a row with him for a, for a touchdown uh, after last year against Northwest. I mean, against uh, Purdue, excuse me. But, um, you know, opportunistic, we talked about it. Um, they didn't force as many turnovers. So obviously, didn't have an interception. But the one they got was was one of the bigger plays of the game. Like you said, if it you know if they go in and, and finish that one off, um, that could be a much different scenario because it changes the way Auburn has to play offense if they finish that that drive. In my opinion, so um, it was a it was a huge play. And, and Big Cat is a guy that has has made those plays. But you're right with him and TD, whoever it is, um, that front just needs to now work on getting to the quarterback, getting to the passer, and, and becoming more effective in that role. One quick stat on the defense. Defense, on 11 of the last 12 drives by Oregon, uh, all those drives ended, 11 of those 12, I should say, uh, excuse me, ended with a punt, ha- the half ending, or a turnover. Six of those drives, Oregon was held to single-digit yardage or negative yardage, Three of those drives, negative yardage by by Oregon. That is incredible considering, one, Justin Herbert, the quarterback, a first-round prospect. But two, and we you mentioned it briefly, that Oregon offensive line impressed the heck out of me. Um, there was one play where when they were down near the goal line, they scored there early, that they were just pushing Auburn's defensive line around. I was going, I did not expect this at all for them to be pushing it the way they did. But Auburn adjusted, and boy, as we said, I think they wore them out a little bit. Um, they just kind of kept grading the road a little bit, get, get it going, um, kind of be patient about everything, and they just started dominating. But that, that those stats there, 11 of the final 12 drives and what that defense did, was absolutely incredible. Um, let's talk about Bo Nix. Um, obviously, you look at his numbers. You know, people always want to look at numbers and, you know, oh, he's 13 of 31, blah, 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 blah. But the way he finished that game, um, absolutely incredible. And, you know, I hate doing comparisons and everything. I, I don't think Jarrett Stidham would have done what he did, particularly, one, picking up that fourth and three by running upfield and getting the three yards. But that pass to Seth Williams, you know, everybody says it's underthrown, but he threw it at the only place Seth Williams is going to be able to catch that ball as he went underneath that nickelback who was coming over across the field for the game-winning touchdown. And it looks so familiar and similar to his dad's pass, Patrick Nix's pass, to Frank Sanders in the 1993 Iron Bowl. Of course, everybody was talking about that after the game. But Bo Nix's performance particularly in that fourth quarter when they kind of Auburn kind of took the game out of his hands in the third quarter, early fourth quarter by running the ball so effectively. But when Bo Nix had to step up, he did it. His numbers don't look great, but in crunch time, that was one of the better performances I've seen from an Auburn quarterback in quite some time. And he's a true freshman. 
Yeah, Miranda, one thing, too, is you look at numbers, and it's something that Bo has done his whole life. As a quarterback, it's it's about winning football games, and if you have the numbers, then so be it. But, you know, there's I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. I would guess six or seven of those throws were deliberate throwaways where he was not going to take a sack, got outside the pocket, said, look, I'm just going to get rid of the football. And that's what he does. Um, you're right. I, I mean, I think obviously Jarrett Sidham, from a, you know, a, a seniority standpoint experience, maybe there's some different things he's able to do. But there's no question in my mind that especially first half of that game, um, that one looks much different with Jarrett Sidham, a quarterback, with probably four or five sacks um, because those were quick, very decisive decisions by Bo Nix to get out of there, and he had athleticism to to make guys miss and and to to extend plays, and um, that's just not Jarrett's forte. Um, Bo showed that, and I think he also showed people. You know, we have people going, "Hey, how how quick is he? How fast is he? Those things." I think people found out Saturday night that guy can run, and and he's able to do it. That first, you know, the first possession or the second possession when they went down to kick the field goal where he pulls the ball and, and gets down the sidelines. Um, that's a guy that can cover some ground. And, you know, like we said, he's not going to be a guy that rushes for 1,000 yards and probably not going to have 100 yards rushing in games. But you look up and you go, plus 42, I think, is what he was. You you, you add that up over a season, and you, if you get a quarterback that, that rushes for four or 500 yards in this system, just to add that little bit of extra to this offense, that's what you got to have. Oh, it's a huge difference maker. Absolutely. And there for a time, when Auburn was struggling to run the ball, Bo Nix was the top rusher uh, there in the first half um, until Whitlow got it going. Um, But Bo, absolutely just incredible decision-making. And there was one point in the game. Now, I don't know for certain this is what exactly was happening, but on that final drive, there was 24 seconds left. And... I don't know if Bo realized it or what. One of the officials was going over to another official to talk, and Bo was pointing at one of the officials and saying something to him. And then about 10 seconds later, they put 26 seconds on the clock. I think Bo recognized that there needed to be more time on the clock. And for, one, any quarterback to be doing that, that shows veteran just savvy. But for a true freshman in that situation – to be over there talking to the officials like, hey, we need more time. Or even even if he didn't know that, but was going over to the officials going, hey, what's going on? Tell me what's going on so I can go over to my teammates and communicate to them in this situation. It's things like that that just absolutely impress me. You mentioned the speed and the running, but it, it's those little things like that in those big moments that just show how ready he's been for this moment, how his dad has been saying, hey, if you're prepared, there's no such thing as pressure. And Bo showed it, not just with the big plays, but in between the plays on that last drive. I was so impressed with that. Yeah, and, and that's kind of that's kind of the way he's he's learned the game. You know, since he stepped on the field as an eighth grader at Scottsboro, he's a guy that that's done those things. That's how his dad played, and it kind of gets lost because people talk about athleticism, those kind of things. In the end, he's still a coach's son and a guy that was coached very hard by his dad. That's the thing that people, you know, might not, you know, think about this. I, I watched him a lot, and, and those guys would kind of go back and forth at each other a little bit because that it, his dad wasn't easy on him. 
Um, he demanded a lot of Bo to do those things. And I, I, in the first half, there were a couple of occasions where, for me standing down on the field, I'm pretty sure that Bo checked probably direction of run. I don't think you know he probably has the ability yet to, to check from you know running play to throwing a deep ball. But he checked the direction of runs a couple of times, and to trust a true freshman in his first game, that shows you. And a, we both know Gus Malzahn very well, Brandon. To be able to put and trust a true freshman in that role, Gus is not the guy that that has trusted a lot of true freshmen in any role, period, uh, in his career until they've established themselves. To do it at quarterback and linebacker, two of the most important positions on the field, tells you how special they believe those guys are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as the season goes along, we're going to be able to see Bo Nix have some options with check downs. I think there's a lot of one read type things that were going on in that game that affected things. And as you said, Bo Nix was having to throw the ball away or, or tuck it and run it at times. Also, I'm very interested to see the development of this offense as they move forward and getting maybe Bo a few design run plays. Because um, as you said, he is super quick on his feet quick decision-making, I'd love to see him run some option plays. Uh, I mean, especially speed option. Um, we saw, I saw, yeah. I saw in warmups, he was he ran some speed option with Anthony Schwartz, who came in, I think, as a decoy for one play or two plays in the game as he recovers from that hand surgery. But, boy, that could be interesting to watch some speed option with him and Anthony Schwartz. I, that, that, I, yeah. I, I've never thought about that, but it got me excited when I saw that in warmups. Yeah, I think I think that and just having Schwartz back, period, to, to have another option down the field. And, you know, we saw for a lot of that second half when they were running the football, you had Eli Stove, Seth Williams, and Sal Canella. That was basically the wide receiver group that was on the field. To add an Anthony Schwartz back in, you know, Will Hastings um, you know, got a little little banged up, as Gus Malzahn said, and likely on that the deep ball where he got interfered with. <laughs> but – all of a sudden, we talked about to have a full complement of, of those receivers again and, and to be able to challenge guys in that way is, is an extra dimension that the offense didn't have a ton of until late in the game. And thought got another great move by Auburn was, was putting Seth Williams to the field, opening him up a little bit um, to allow him to get in some one-on-one situations. We saw him you know, beat those a couple of times there late in the game. So those are things to watch. But you're right, in the running game, adding that part of things for Bo, um, and the RPO game, we saw it in the design yeah. uh, of the script, the script offense. So once they got out of the script offense, we didn't see it as much. I think those are things that, as you go in, I think Gus Malzahn will feel more comfortable. Okay, well, look, we can go back to that. I think there'll be more of those things because, in the end, that's where, where, where Bo Nix has cut his teeth, being that quarterback that RPOs make that decision to pull it, to throw the ball, pull it and run um i think there'll be more of those as this season progresses and yeah you mentioned seth williams going to the field that was something auburn had been toying with in the preseason camp and then making that decision to go with that late in that game obviously that's where he was lined up for that touchdown pass and obviously he excelled um and like you said when they get anthony schwartz back they can do so much more i think in the passing game uh because they're gonna be there's gonna be so much attention on him and you know, Seth Williams, you know, where he was playing earlier in the game, they were able to double him up, bracket him, and really limit him. But then when they moved him out to the field, that opened things up so much for them on that two-minute drive. Um, Jartavius Whitlow, Mr. Booby Whitlow, such a hard runner. I, I think um, 
I'd love to see the yards after contact for him uh, in that second half. He's the reason that Auburn had a chance in this game, other than the defense, obviously, which was phenomenal. But he's the reason. He got them going. He got that offense going. As I said, they kind of took Bo Nix out of the game a little bit. They're in the third and early fourth quarter. And it was because Whitlow was just churning out those yards and running. It was fantastic. But the one thing I think I'd be a little bit concerned about, obviously he was slow to get up after that run to the one-yard line. But you could tell he was getting slower um, as the game went along. He was getting a little worn out. Auburn's got to be very aware of that in those situations and be able to have a guy that can come in and spell him. And I don't know if Auburn necessarily knows who that guy is right now. They tried some Cam Martin. It didn't quite work. But Whitlow obviously showed some really savviness, some great patience running upfield. But he got he got a little bit tired as the as the game went along. And after that yard, run to the one-yard line, um, he wasn't really able to do anything. I think his next three runs went for no gain. They've got to get someone behind him to step in so they don't really lose that much of a step when he gets tired in games. Yeah, I, I think the guy that we kind of thought it was going to be pointing to um, is going to be D.J. Williams. I really believe as this season Absolutely. gets along, uh, we saw him covering kicks a little bit. I figured, okay, if he's if he they feel like physically he's ready to do that, now it's just a matter of getting him back in the offense because of that time he missed in preseason camp. I think DJ Williams is is the other answer as an every down classic downhill grind it out back. Um, and then the wild card in that could be a little bit more Harold Joyner. I thought in the script offense, we saw him come up with a big play down the sideline. I think he's a guy. Um, that you could get more involved and give a few touches to there. But uh, to me, I think D.J. Williams is going to be the the other answer there as a guy that, hey, maybe instead of 24-25 carries for Whitlow, maybe it's 18-20, to 20, and maybe you get D.J. Williams six or eight of those touches in that classic every-down offense. Maybe it's a possession or two. Um, that could be really important, and it's something we talked about that's needed. They've got to take some of that strain off maybe Whitlow. Um, to have him ready to go at the end of the year. And as you said, Bo Nix really helping, you know, 42 yards rushing. And if I go back, I believe this is the first time Auburn's eclipsed 200 yards rushing against a ranked opponent since 2017. Something they struggled with last season, as as we all know, was the rushing offense. So a good step forward. And as you said, they've got other options. This, this team – Jason reminds me a lot, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but as far as their progress and where they could they could go with the ceiling being as high, is the 2013 offense where they were figuring things out in that Washington State game. You look at the offense that Washington State game, and it was a lot different, not just production wise, but schematically and what they were trying to do with Nick Marshall and the passing game than what it was just even three four games later. I think it could be very similar for this offense moving forward, not just schematically. I don't think it would change too much, but just with the personnel and how they utilize that personnel here in the in the near future. And I think these next two weeks against Tulane and Kent State is the perfect time to kind of start making that progress to where they kind of find that identity, so to speak. Yeah, and 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 now you get a chance as a play caller and and, and Gus Malzahn and Kenny Dillingham to go. Okay, what does this offense do well with Bo Nix 
after we've seen it against a really good team. Kind of, to me, it's almost a hybrid of 2009 and 2013 a little bit, where you had a little bit of the Chris Todd with motions, the things they did. I think that's going to be vitally important. Like you said, once it's when it's Anthony Schwartz running motion, all of a sudden it changes what linebackers and safeties do reacting to it. So I think those are things that obviously can, can be added to this, but you're right. It's still um, – and it's why it's so important to, to – if you if, obviously if you lose that game, well, you'd rather play a, a, an inferior team. But when you win one, um, they've got a really good idea now of, of what this team is made of and, and things they can work on, build on, um, you know, as they head into week two. I just wanted to bring this up a little, little out of uh, left field and also a little not necessarily off topic, but just uh, derailing the conversation. That game <clears throat> reminded me a lot of the Peach Bowl against UCF for a lot of reasons, but particularly on the last drive. Because Auburn had a chance on that last drive against UCF and went to the end zone, and things just seemed kind of discombobulated. Auburn went with the two-minute drive there, obviously, against Oregon in the last moments, and Bo Nix and the receivers delivered. Um, I don't know about you, but I had flashbacks to that UCF game and how that went wrong, but it went right this time. And I think that's a great sign uh, for, one, the offense, but two, just the type of quarterback that they have. Yeah, and, and you know, people kind of talking about last year going, hey, you know, you won a close game last year over Washington, but you know, still end up, you know, eight and five, whatever it was, but completely different types of games that the Washington, the Auburn kind of held on and had to score late after controlling the game early. This one was an Auburn team that grew and matured and got better and better. And that's, that's the goal for a team. That's the goal for a season. That's what we talked about. It was the potential for this Auburn team is to be better in week two than week one because you're playing a freshman quarterback. If this team can take those steps like they did in, in the short span of that game, then this is an Auburn team that you know people are not going to be real fired up about seeing middle of the year, end of the year, as long as they continue to improve. Well, that's it for us here on the podcast. Make sure you go to auburn.247sports for much more coverage, breakdown of the Oregon game, and also looking ahead to Tulane the rest of the season and all the stories in between. We have a special going on right now, I think for another day or so. Uh, Six for one, uh, six months for $9.95, a subscription at Auburn 24-7. It's the best deal we'll have all year, I guarantee it. Six for one, big win, big deal. Go check it out at auburn.247sports.com. For Jason, I am Brandon. We will see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. Auburn Undercover.